the Irish National Collection of Horror Literature and Haunted Wardrobes welcomes you to Shakers, a story by Liam Sheehan, read by Liam Sheehan. At long last, they found the entranceway. It was sealed by a large, grimy, metallic door, all green upon rust, nestled in an alley that snaked beneath an overpass. The overpass was clogged in one end by a wall of rubble, making it a dangerous, dead end to linger in. But it was dry under there at least, so the creatures would not menace them. For now. Three of the team of four immediately huddled around their precious map and began discussing their plan for the millionth time in hushed tones and hissed whispers. Jack, being the only child, being only nine years old, knew that he would not be valued in this discussion, so he wandered off, skipping over the foliage-choked cracks and potholes in the pavement, whilst keeping a well-trained, safe distance from the others. He came to seat himself on the dilapidated chair of a small structure that he knew, once upon a time, was known as a bus shelter. On the side of the bus shelter, there was a picture hung behind plastic. And upon noticing it, Jack began to excitedly tear ivy from it and wiped away a thick layer of dirt. It was a drawing of a wonderful monster, all teeth and fur and big red eyes. And above the monster's snarling face, Jack slowly read the words, Attack of the Giant Wolfmen, coming soon. This was a picture of a movie, Jack proudly knew. Ruth had told him all about movies, He loved whenever he happened upon pictures like this, weird and wonderful things from the old world. He filed them away in his mind and daydreamed about them as he followed dutifully behind the others on their travels, through ruined street after ruined street. He hoped that those daydreams would then seep into his sleep, each a brushstroke that made up a painting far prettier, far more vibrant than the world he was forced to live in. After a while, Ruth peeled away from the discussion around the map, leaving the other two to reach the conclusions that she knew had already been reached. She joined Jack at the bus shelter, and smiled when she found him gawping at the poster. I saw that one, she said, gently placing a hand on the boy's shoulder. It was shit, I think. What was the story? Jack asked, his eyes locked to the poster. Big wolfmen, like really big wolfmen, massive guys, they take over the world. It's about a band of survivors trying to make it in this new wolfman reality. She paused. Christ, almost prescient when you think about it. She chuckled softly at the look of confusion Jack gave her then. It means it sort of guessed how things would turn out. Jack chewed on that for a moment, looking back at the poster. Yeah, I guess, but I prefer these wolfmen to the creatures we got. Ruth shrugged. I don't know, Jack, let me tell you about wolves. They got big teeth, claws, they eat meat, they hunt in packs. At least our creatures just sort of... sort of... get in the way? Jack offered. The boy meant this as a little joke, but upon saying it, both of their minds became bombarded with memories of the creatures getting in their way. They travelled as a team of four these days, but once they had been a much bigger group, a community. The creatures had gotten in their way to the value of nearly 30 lives lost, and now 
the last living four, stood upon a crucial precipice. Ruth ruffled Jack's hair in response and bent down to his level, speaking in the gentle yet serious tone that she had expertly honed for the boy. Listen, we're going into the sewer. We're really doing it then. Ruth nodded. Ben says it'll take ten minutes to pass through. Tops. He studied the map. This is the safest way, the best way. Just ten minutes of being brave. Jack let himself smile, hopefully. And then, all the salt, right? On the other side? Ruth laughed. Yeah, it's called the ocean. Ruth had described many wonderful-sounding things about the world to Jack that he had not yet been lucky enough to gaze upon himself. Great big metal buildings that reach up into the sky, skyscrapers, vast mountain ranges that somehow sat at distances that Jack could scarcely imagine. The most wonderful, however, and the most difficult to comprehend was this ocean. All water and salt, as far as the eye could see. It had been their goal, their destination, for the longest time now. Ruth was staring back over at the others now, and at the sewer entrance. It goes against everything we've thought ourselves to go crawling into that goddamn hole. But ten minutes, and we'll get to where they can't follow us. Come on, Jack. The other two had rolled the map up now, and had placed it in a backpack. Ben was the leader of the four, as he had been back when they were thirty strong. Tall, hulking, and potently humorless, he scowled impatiently as Jack and Ruth made their way over. The other was named Clive, who, in direct contrast to Ben, was a lean wisp of a man. He was, for all intents and purposes, Ben's right-hand man, his stooge, more accurately, both now and when Ben had been the leader of a whole community. Though Clive had never vocalised the feeling to anyone, he had long ago decided it was just easier to switch off his brain in this horrible world he had found himself in, and he had never found anywhere safer to hide than in Ben's shadow. We're going in now, Ben exclaimed. No better time than the present. Everyone, check their salt guns. This was not directed at Jack, who, even if they had been in possession of more than three guns, was not deemed capable of wielding one. But the other three all took a moment to examine and tinker with their guns, making sure they were loaded properly. And they fiddled with their extra shakers, which were clasped around their belts in rows. Everyone got a shaker locked and loaded? Ben asked. Flashlights next. Again, Jack was bereft of this essential tool, but the others each produced a flashlight from their pockets and tested them by clicking them on and off. Ben sighed meaningfully. I have the way ahead memorized, so leave navigation to me. We'll be through in ten minutes. I am not expecting any encounters. Wishful thinking, Ruth said. It's a fucking sewer. It's tight in there, Ben threw back. Too small for them, they wouldn't fit. We've seen them come in a bunch of different sizes, though, Jack's little voice added. Not all of them are great big ones. Kids, right? Ruth shrugged. Well, check your goddamn salt guns again, then, Ben all but snarled. Be ready, like we always are. This is no different than any other day. Ruth then shot him a look that said, But it is different. This is a fucking sewer we're waltzing into. But she knew it was not worth vocalizing. Instead, it was the sycophantic Clive who responded, simply saying, Ben knows best. We'll be fine. It took all three of the adults together to prise open the metal door, which groaned as it opened into the blackest of portals. 
three dim amber torch beams were immediately cast into it, but they were meagre against the swallowing black. Ruth thought she spotted a moment of hesitation in Ben's face, but quickly directed her attention to Jack instead. You stay close to me. All the way, okay? I look after you. Jack instinctively hooked his finger into Ruth's pocket, and she smiled down at him. Forward, Ben said. Forward, Clive repeated. Stairs led downwards into the darkness. They each counted ten slick steps as they descended, the sound of dripping water coming from somewhere ahead. It was almost melodious, welcoming in the strangest of ways. At the bottom, they attempted to walk four abreast, but the way quickly closed in and forced them into single file, with Ruth taking up the rear and Jack just about managing to stay clung to her leg. The path ahead was impossibly dark, but the torch beams illuminated just enough to not have them scrambling blindly forward. Their shoulders scraped against dirt-strewn walls on both sides as they walked, and their footsteps squelched. We're walking in one of their trails, Clive gasped. No, we're not, Ben said, marching slowly forward and not looking back. It's puddles of water. Piss and shit, more like, Ruth added. Sure stinks like that's what it is. Little Jack agreed mightily, and he used his free hand to cover his mouth and nose. Well, in a few minutes, Clive said, collecting his courage, the stink will give way to the scent of the sea, then we can just follow our noses to the ocean. Sure it will, Ruth murmured. Stop talking, Ben hissed. I'm concentrating. And he led them around a sharp turn to the left, and soon another to the right, and then left, and left, and then right. His torch beam led the way as best it could, joined by that of the others, which they aimed carefully around his bulk. They could hear him muttering, Left next, then right, then right again. Jack's grip squeezed tighter onto Ruth's pocket. Suddenly, their shoulders popped free from the hugging walls. They seemed to have emerged into a larger tunnel, though their probing torch beams struggled to give them a clear view of its exact dimensions. Ben halted, his mutterings trailing off. He waved his flashlight slowly around. The walls on either side were a few feet away now, and he could make out that they were lined with grody, circular grates, the endings of sizable enough pipes. He froze to the spot, causing Clive to ask if he was okay. Please don't say we're lost, Ruth said. Ben didn't respond. He continued casting his torch beam about, which was jittering now. This place did not match the map. Of course not, he grunted and continued on ahead. They didn't need to walk single file now, but there was an unspoken instinct to stay away from those circular grates at their sides. Ben focused on the faint and amber column of his flashlight, silently begging it to find a turn, because he knew that they needed to be turning left soon. And the light did find something. He came to another sudden halt, causing Clive to barge into him from behind, hissing out a swear as he went falling back on his ass. Ruth swerved around Ben, untethering Jack, and she joined her light to his to see what he saw. Shit! Ben gasped, true fear cracking through his voice, and in an instant he had unholstered his salt gun and aimed it forward alongside his flashlight. Wait! Ruth said, amazingly taking two steps forward. Wait! It's dead. 
they huddled together and gazed forward into the dim light which softly illuminated the dried out husk of a slug. Long ago, Ruth had told Jack about how slugs had once been little things, not the creatures that had made the world the way it is. They had been harmless, save for maybe chewing up a garden, or clogging a drain, or crawling out onto a kitchen floor at night and being stepped on by a bare foot. The one before them now stretched all the way horizontally across the tunnel, from one of those grated pipes to another. It was big, but Jack had seen much bigger, and, as Ruth had pointed out, it was dead, siphoned of its moistness, its squishiness, its bulbousness. It looked a bit like a great big brown sleeping bag strewn across their path. Clive was just riding himself from his brief tumble down onto the muck of the sewer, and as he batted dirt off of his ass, his attention then became snagged by the side of the slug. Oh fuck! he gasped, and after a moment of fumbling, his salt gun was in hand. He fired. With a deafening bang amplified by their cramped surroundings, it shot forth a bursting spray of salt. The onslaught engulfed the dead slug, ripping it apart and crumbling it. God damn it, hold your fire, it's dead, Ruth yelled, spitting out the salt that now clung to the air, her ears ringing painfully from the almighty popping noise the gun made as it fired. Ben shot Clive daggers as everyone attempted to rub their ears working again. It was young Jack who recovered quickest, and he said, y You guys hear that? It took a moment for the others to catch up. Ben said confidently, It's water flowing. Somewhere. We are in a sewer. Is it? Clive whined. Ruth dragged Jack closer. No, Ben. We've got to move. Now. And all about them, a noise began to grow. To build and build. At first, like the trickling of water flowing ever closer, but then it became something slimier, something squelchier, something rhythmic. Louder and louder it grew as the beams of their flashlights bounced with their hastiness, with their increasing carelessness, until the sticky ground beneath them lost its solidness and the soles of their shoes started sinking into something thick and mucky. Shit! Clive cried. Ben did not let it slow him. He trudged onwards, ostensibly leading the way, but not sparing a moment to check for the others over his shoulder, willing, with a furious might, for a left turn to appear ahead, for his directions to be correct. Then, at last, the sickly tunnel appeared to fork. There was a path that continued forward, and a path to the right. No left. Ben stopped, allowing Ruth with Jack in tow to pass him out. Ben? she yelled. Which way? Her voice was all but lost amidst the wet chorus now. Jack's fearful mules went unnoticed, as did Clive's panicked, ragged breathing. In fact, Clive was teetering on the brink of hyperventilating, yet he remained faithfully behind Ben, desperately awaiting his command. His mind was becoming paralyzed by dread as he unwittingly leaned against one of the massive, circular grates and felt the cold steel of it vibrating. He turned, just in time to witness something come cascading down the pipe, slamming into the other side of the grate with a clatter, causing him to jump back with a yell. It was a sickly mound of sludge, or at least it seemed like sludge. The grate struggled against it, shaking as the metal groaned, and the flashlights all gathered on it, 
as a pair of eye stalks came ponderously poking through two holes in the grate. The sludge was alive, and it fought. It heaved against the waning metal. Just then, a series of crashes and bangs, steel breaking, ripping, came from back along the way they had come. The pipes that had been along their path, it seemed, were bursting open in quick succession. The clattering of steel was followed by a series of wet splats. One, two, then a multitude altogether. Ruth yanked Clive from the nearest grate, which was barely winning its battle against the encroaching, living sludge, as she yelled for Ben to tell them which way. Ben's bulging gaze bounced between the two paths, forward or right, but not left, and back into the darkness, which wheezed in a wet cacophony. Then, with a gut-wrenching squelch and an ear-piercing screech of bending metal, the pipe nearest to them burst open, and a monstrous slug writhed forth from it. Its slimy skin glistened with a sickly sheen, its enormous body coiled and undulated in grotesque rhythm as it unfurled itself quickly from the now shredded pipe, bringing with it an overwhelming stench of decay. Which way? Ruth repeated. Clive screamed and suddenly his salt gun was in his hand again. Leave it! Ruth yelled. Ben, just tell us which way. Clive fired. And this time, the burst of salt seared into its target. With a sickening sizzle and a rumbling, tortured hiss, the slug's massive eyes bulged and dissolved, frothy and steaming. As its monstrous form writhed in agony, its stalks wilted away as the creature deflated into a bubbling mess, revealing behind it its gathered brethren. The way they had come was no longer a passage. It was a horrifying, intertwined wall of giant slugs, iridescent against the torchlight. Dozens and dozens of eye stalks waving and probing, a mess of gaping maws oozing thick brown drool. Go right, Ben said. Ruth scooped Jack into her arms, and they all dashed down the right passageway, sprinting into the blackness, dogged by the sounds of slime-soaked writhing. The way squeezed in around them again. Ruth and Ben took the lead. Are we near the exit? She asked between breaths. And as he was about to answer, as he was about to lie, to guess, they collided into a wall. Jack cried out as he came tumbling from Ruth's arms down into filth. The others were too flabbergasted to focus on the sudden pain. Ben, this is a dead end. She wanted to yell. She wanted to scream at him, to claw into his face. But she looked at him and saw nothing in his eyes save sheer disbelief as he lightly touched a very solid wall before them and she knew that there was no point now. Everyone, get ready, she said as she helped Jack out of the dirt. They each wheeled back around. Salt guns forward. If we can get back, Ruth said to Ben, do you know where we went wrong? Do you know the right way? Ben didn't answer. His barrel chest was hammering with every breath. I didn't think so. Ruth sighed. They gathered their torch beams together. The postulating wall had squeezed itself down the passage, heaving its way towards them. Ruth aimed at the dead centre of it and pulled the trigger. In this narrow passage, the salt attacked each of their mouths, stung their eyes but it punctured through the wall of slugs potently, 
punching a narrow gap between them as bubbling mulch was flung about, but more slithering monsters quickly joined the throng, mending the gaps. Again, Ruth yelled, and even before she could reload her gun, both Ben and Clive fired off shakers. The creatures hissed as the salt tore into them, and the mass seemed to flinch back as if a single living entity. A couple of the smaller sized ones, no bigger than cats, managed to wriggle on forward, and Ruth burst them underfoot or punted them back into the horde. After one more desperate shot each, it was hard to tell which slimy monster was living and which was mere mulch dragged along by its brethren. Push back! Now! Ruth roared. They sprinted back through the half-ruined slugs, the once squirming monstrosities now writhing in agony, their ooze-like ichor popping and erupting, spraying them. The slugs' unholy forms quivered in a gruesome dance of pain as the foursome kicked and tore their way through this nightmarish corridor, their footsteps caking in melting sludge. Each step they took was a test of their nerves as the slugs, many half-dissolved but still desperately alive, flailed out with dripping appendages until at last they pushed back into the chamber they had come from. The only option now was to take the other path, the one that had been dead ahead, but they found it clogged by a slew of the creatures. Jack stood shielded behind them, and Clive trailed further back still, vulnerable now, for he had run out of ammunition. Quivering in despair, he backed slowly away from the madness as the others began fighting to clear the path, until he backed into an open pipe on the wall. He felt the steel of it stir against his arm, and suddenly became aware of a guttural sound building behind him. He shot his head back in panic, just as the deluge came bursting forth. A nightmarish swarm of slugs, smaller than the ones the others were battling, but no less grotesque, descended upon him in a surge. In a fleeting moment of sheer terror, he attempted to escape their relentless advance, but their slimy, gelatinous forms adhered to him, pulling him down with their collected mass. Their weight buckled his knees, and he came crashing forward, sending his face plunging into a rancid puddle. Its awfulness burned up his nose, invaded his mouth, but he gasped and gagged himself free of it. But the monstrous slugs, with their moist, flailing bodies, enveloped him in an unrelenting embrace. He let out an agonized scream as a horrifying realization struck him. He was pinned down. They wriggled upon his back, seemingly oblivious to his desperate struggles. Then, a lone slug came crawling over the nape of his neck, and he felt its toothless, dripping maw encircling the back of his head. And it chewed, aggressively. Uselessly, but aggressively, letting out low, eerie chirps as it did. Desperation made him scream Ben's name over and over, but soon... Their existence faded from his perception as the slug's wet lips crept around his ears. He exerted every ounce of his dwindling strength to resist the weight of the cluster, determined to prevent his face from plunging back into the noxious puddle. But the assault proved overwhelming, even before more of the things began cascading out of the pipe on top of him. His face inexorably sank lower, his nose dipping into the vile water, 
The stench was agony, and his screams transformed into a drawn-out, pained wretch as he suddenly expelled his stomach's contents. His burning vomit merged with the stagnant puddle inches from his face and surged right back up into his mouth and nostrils. This final indignity sapped his last vestige of strength and his face submerged deeper into the repulsive mixture. The creatures writhed about him, heedless of his torment, one still latched onto his skull. The others burst into a new chamber, which seemed larger, more cavernous than any before. The way they had come from was a maelstrom of slop, but the way ahead now seemed clear. Ruth was the first to realise that Clive was no longer with them. But just as she was about to vocalise this, her gaze followed the trajectory of Ben's torchbeam. It seemed for a moment that he cast it up into yawning blackness, but as she looked longer, she noticed how the blackness shimmered and danced looking almost like the surface of a pond at night. It was a somewhat magical sight, until the reality of it dawned on them. They could not see the ceiling, for it was draped wholly by a mass of slugs, meshed together and wriggling wildly, long, thick lines of slime dangling shakily from them. And at the centre of this mass, something stirred, as if bothered by the light of the torch, and it unhooked itself and dropped. This slug was bigger than any they had encountered so far. The force of it landing before them splattered them with ooze and knocked them off their feet, sending them back closer to the melting horde behind them, which still fought onwards. It was mammoth, as big as a bus, yellow and pustule, mottled with tar-like muck and dirt. It was so big that they could see details on it that they could not with the others, alien yet forlorn eyes at the end of its drifting stalks, and they could actually perceive the thing breathing. On its side, at the centre of its mass, was a long vertical slit of an orifice. It opened and closed, a nightmarish mouth, widening and contracting like a pair of bellows. And as it did, it sucked in and expelled the stale air around it, with a strained sucking noise that was disturbingly close to human sounding. They could feel the force of its breaths even, rancid wind against their skin. Ruth wanted to throw up at the sight of this breathing monstrosity, but there was no time for such luxuries. There was a loud, sickening splat, and suddenly a creature was beside her. They each flicked their gaze upwards and saw that the other slugs were now loosening themselves from the mass and were dropping down all about them, causing a cascade of heavy, wet landings. The creatures fought for space against the bigger one, and within mere moments, the way ahead was a wall of monsters. Ruth was not thinking rationally. She was far beyond that, but a vague instinct caused her to lower her assault gun and raise her flashlight instead. She shook its beam directly into the big one's forlorn eye stalks, causing them to retract feebly. This seemed to disturb the creature greatly, and it shifted its weight to the side, rolling a little, opening up the slimmest of paths between its own hideous bulk and the writhing tangle of its smaller brethren. Ruth was about to shout out that this was their opportunity, that they had to run now, but Ben was way ahead of her. He barreled ahead alone towards the precarious gap. Ruth made to grab Jack's arm and follow after, 
but her hand gripped around the slimy stalk of a slug instead. With a horrified gasp, she batted it away, turning to find that she was flanked by the creature now, with the boy nowhere to be seen, until she spotted little shoes and little hands poking out from beneath the slug's mucus. One of the bastards had landed right on top of Jack. She didn't hesitate. She pulled forth her assault gun and fired it straight into the lumbering creature's face, decimating it. Then she tore into the mess that was left, flinging bubbling slime away in mounds. She unearthed Jack. He was drenched and shell-shocked, but still breathing and awake, his baffled saucer eyes gazing up at Ruth. She told him, gently yet firmly, that everything was going to be okay, and ordered him to clamber up onto her back and hold on tight. The boy did so immediately. He always did what Ruth told him. With Jack's arms fastened around her neck, she turned to the horde. The sound of surging slime was all about them, intermingled with the heavy slaps as more creatures came falling from the ceiling. The gap that Ben had dashed into was closed to them now, sealed again by the largest creature's lumbering movements. But Ruth's darting, panicked eyes snagged on another way. Just between the wall of the room and the wall of the piling slugs was a gap just big enough for them to squeeze through. Maybe. She had no time for doubt. She rocketed towards it, Jack clinging to her for dear life. Ben was engulfed in the middle of the chaos. The way he had ran had seemed like a golden path to freedom, but it had closed in around him so, so quickly. And now he stumbled and tripped his way forward, firing off shaker after shaker, pushing aside whatever got in his way. But the slime, the growing mountains of creatures were unending, and in no time at all his fingers patted his belt desperately and found no more shakers left to load. His way ahead was a living, ever-closing tunnel. The biggest slug was along the way at his right side, an immense, impenetrable wall of pulsating flesh, and to his left, the rest of the throng edged inwards. The purest, white-hot fear blazed within him. There was nowhere to go. They were giving him no quarter. Within moments he would be engulfed, swallowed, crushed between the rancid, undulating bodies. No. No. He let out a roar of fury. He would not die here. He was Ben, the leader. Always the leader. He had survived so long in this wretched world because he had always been the strongest. The strongest and the smartest. He wouldn't lose his life to these fucking slugs. Even as he witnessed his way ahead become clogged with more of their writhing wet bodies, he vowed that he simply would not die. He was the strongest. The strongest and the smartest. Then he spotted a way. A haven. Of course he did. He was Ben. There was no way for him to run forward. He was squeezed in by all sides, but his eyes scanned their way along the mottled body of the largest slug. And he saw a way to safety. Somewhere he could go. It's breathing orifice. There it was, opening and closing disgustingly, sucking in air. He had no time to think twice. He trudged towards it, wading through some creatures now gathering at his shins. And then he stood before it, felt its gross suction pulling at him as the monstrous horde began to press against his back. He grabbed it, fingers viced around its two wet papery flaps, and he yanked it open like a pair of creamy curtains. 
Then, he heaved one foot forward and stepped into it, squishing into unseen viscera as he pulled himself inside, just as the space behind him became fully engulfed. He was Ben, the leader. He was a genius. Of course he had found a way to survive. Of course he had found the will to fight on. Of course... Something snapped in his brain. A switch flipped, and reality suddenly hit him like a right hook straight to the nose. What the fuck was he doing? Halfway into that alien orifice, his courage left him, replaced with blind panic. Wait! No, 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 no! He couldn't climb inside this thing. He had to stop. He had to turn around to flee, but found himself lodged in this opening. And his presence there clearly alarmed the beast, for it began to thrash wildly, and the orifice itself heightened and quickened its bellows-like breathing. The soft, wet lips of it opened and closed against Ben's face rapidly, but oddly tenderly, as he found himself utterly stuck, his legs buried into awful innards, and everything above his legs now fighting to reverse direction, twisting, arms flailing and grabbing. But there was nowhere to reverse to. The world had become nothing but the slugs. Ben dangled halfway out of the panicking orifice, his roars turning into distraught, high-pitched shrieks, then into a low dog whine as the mighty creature's thrashing caused it to roll over, sending the half-nested Ben down into the wriggling mass. He let out a final whimper as his face pressed into slug flesh, filling his mouth, and the force of it pushed him back, back inside his supposed haven, into total darkness. Somehow, Ruth and Jack had broken out into the smallest of clearings. They looked back and could see no sign of Ben, and Ruth knew that it was just her and the boy now. Their senses were filled with the inescapable slithering and squelching, engulfed in a miasma of muddy decay. But ahead, they could see a light. Ruth couldn't believe it. It was unclear if they had reached the exit they had planned to originally. There was certainly no smell of sea salt, as if it could even penetrate this awful place. But there was light, or at the very least a sliver of it. There was a mound of slugs before them, but as they slid and rolled about, it was clear that they were blocking an exit, for a shaft of light could be seen appearing and disappearing with their movements. Ruth slipped Jack down off her back. She checked her belt. She had one more shaker, one final shot. Ripping it from the belt, she loaded it into her assault gun and said a silent prayer. This one shot had to be enough to clear the way ahead. Jack was fretting, darting panicked looks all about. The sea of slugs encroached ever onwards from behind. They were slithering down walls, dropping from the ceiling. He began to weep and moan as he fidgeted around Ruth, circling her legs as she silently readied herself. One shot. One shot to punch through these fuckers and carve away out to the light. She held her salt gun aloft. Jack paced on the spot, his eyes bouncing from one monstrous slug face to the next as they encircled, closed in. Then, his ankle twisted, sliding on the slick sewer ground, and he fell against Ruth, knocking back her aim, just as she pulled the trigger. The salt erupted up her nose. It 
punched the roof of her mouth. It seared into her eyes. She dropped to her knees, screaming, her salt gun flung away into the slimy din. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jack began to cry. She shielded her eyes with her hand as fat tears streamed down from underneath it. I I can't see, Jack. I, I can't see. Take my hand. You have to lead the way. And as she spoke, Jack felt light upon him. The sliding, rolling slugs ahead had slid and rolled in such a way that a bigger gap now protruded between them, and light poured through. It wasn't that big, but big enough. Big enough for... Ruth was crying in agony. Jack, honey, I can't see. Take my hand, please. Jack was weeping himself, vacillating between Ruth's contorted face and the shaft of light, and of course, to the monsters all around them. He dashed for the light. As he went, he could hear Ruth screaming, begging him to take her hand, to lead the way. He dove face first into the light and was embraced by it, and he arrowed through the wall of wriggling, oozing slugs. He landed painfully, but immediately he knew he was out. Cleaner air clung to his nostrils, and he gazed up to see a sky. He whipped back around. The way had closed, clogged by a clump of creatures, which seemed then like a big single organ, a great creamy heart palpitating. The boy backed away, whispering Ruth's name over and over, tears rolling down his face. Then he was gone for an indeterminable amount of time, lost within himself, his little body quivering. Ruth's words, all the things she had taught him, tumbled around in his mind until one notion came to the forefront. Salt and water, the ocean. His mind igniting again, Jack turned his back on the sewer and hoped that he would find a vast ocean before him. He didn't, but he saw some other things for the first time, some of the other marvels that Ruth had taught him about. He was standing at the crest of a hill, and the view before him was lined with those giant metal buildings, skyscrapers. And what's more, when he gazed past them even, he could see a mountain range against the horizon. But he did not smile, or gasp in reverence, Instead, his mouth fell open, for each of those metal buildings were pocked with giant creatures clinging to them. Some were engulfed entirely, standing as horrifying living monoliths, and the streets and byways between them were filled and clogged by pulsating rivers of slime, with a thousand thousand eye stalks poking up, waving in droves. Aghast, Jack instead cast his view to the mighty mountain range, to perhaps stifle his horror with its beauty. But he began to cock his head the longer he looked at it, for he noticed how it shimmered against the dying light, and how, almost imperceptibly, it moved. It crawled. It slithered against the skyline. And he fell to his knees as the mountain reared its enormous head, two mighty eye stalks tracing ponderously against the reddening sky. The Irish National Collection. 
of horror literature and haunted wardrobes. Hopes you enjoyed this reading of Shakers by Liam Sheehan.